Welcome to the Van Man Podcast. My name is Sam and I am the Van Man. I believe in living a full life. And I know that I do that differently than everybody else, so I invite people into my van to talk about their hobbies, their side gigs, their passions, just so I can get a little bit of an idea of how other people are doing it differently than I am so that I can hopefully do it better. And I hope you enjoy the conversations and interviews that I have. My guest for this episode is Jared Kwan, the author of Lifted Adventures in Ride Sharing. Now, I knew Jared Kwan from working with him at our corporate jobs. We actually didn't know each other. We just knew each other's names. And on LinkedIn, he posted that he is releasing this book. And I decided that looks interesting. Let me buy it and read it. And I read it. It was absolutely incredible. And as I was reading it, it talks a little bit about Jared's life. And I started doing a little bit more research and eventually asked him if he would be willing to come onto the podcast because he serves on the board of five different nonprofits. He's written several books and is very active in the writing and author community in Utah. And the amount of service that he gives to these communities is absolutely incredible. I wanted to going to get his advice and his thoughts and feelings towards putting so much time towards these communities and in service when he also has, you know, a day job and his own priorities with his family, raising five kids. Um, And he just manages his time like no other. He gets an insane amount done. And I hope you enjoy the episode as we dive into more about Jared Kwan. Welcome to the podcast, Jared. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for just replying to me in general. I mean, we never really interacted that much at work. And then I saw on LinkedIn that you released a book and I thought, that looks pretty interesting and <laughs> decided to buy it. It was really interesting, really, it was just entertaining to read Lifted. And then, uh, yeah, thanks for just replying and Absolutely, me. absolutely. Hey, it's funny, in a company with over a thousand people, I recognized your name. So I knew instantly who, who you were. So I'm like, yeah. that's cool. Let's do this. I know, it's exciting to, to see people that are working their day job just like I am and then have these... hobbies and side gigs and all of these things and you have what seems to be dozens of them (laughs) (laughs) like I have a podcast you have like a bunch of books a bunch of writing you're on a bunch of um, volunteers and uh, volunteer uh, boards as well I mean we'll kind of dive into all of that but I want to start by just you know hearing a little bit about your origin story in writing how did you you know what was the first moment where you thought I like writing I'm going to keep kind of pursuing this yeah great question so I think for me, <clears throat> for me, it started actually in the fourth grade. It's funny. I made it to the fourth grade, and back then the educational system is not the same as it is today. Back then I kind of skated by, and they would just keep graduating me to like the next level. Um, but what happened was I was I did not really know how to read. I really didn't know how to write. I made it to the fourth grade just kind of uh, faking it, if right. you will. And um, in the fourth grade, I had a fantastic teacher who recognized a lot of my shortcomings, talked to my parents, and we started really working hard on that. And that happened to be the same exact time that uh, schools got the Apple IIe from Apple, which was revolutionary for schools. Right. And I could type my stories because people could read that handwriting as opposed to my regular handwriting. And I, I so I wrote a story and I saw the way my teachers reacted to it. I saw the way that my other students, like the, um, the how they reacted to it. And I'm, I'm like, holy cow, there's, there's so much power in, in writing. And I was super excited. I was so eager that I probably wrote probably dozens of stories in the fourth grade. I was so excited. And from then, I've always just had this passion. Yeah, and that seems like that passion is also just uh... – transferred well into reading and you know comic-con and all of these fantasy worlds um is it 
do you love writing? Is that still your first love, or does reading sometimes overtake that a little bit? Oh man, that is a that is a great question. So, I I think writing is still my first love. If I could only do one thing, if they're like, hey, listen, either you can write, or you could read books for the rest of your life. I'm going to start writing. Right. <laughs> I love writing and creating. And and uh, and putting that new content into the universe. Was there a point where you ever like stopped writing or a break in your writing, um, or maybe you were in college or anything like that, or has it been pretty consistent since fourth grade? So I've always written since the fourth grade. Now, when it comes to like how serious the writing is and uh, how far I've decided to take it, that's changed throughout my life because obviously mm-hmm. time. You know, when you start having kids, when you start having a career. These things start to overtake your time, as it turns out. Right. I know it's weird to think that um, little kids, and I've got five of them, right, c- could overtake time. Uh, so my writing would become less and less, but I would always keep writing. Matter of fact, my very first book that got published, it took me about seven years to actually write that book. Um, and I think it, you know, it happened right when I started having kids is when I started writing that book. And... As you can imagine, over that seven years, there was a lot of time spent doing different things with my kids as they were growing and, and raising, not to mention um, some medical crises that were happening. My second son being born with two chambers in his heart, lots of surgeries surrounding that. So it took me a minute to get to that point where, okay, that book was ready to submit, and that was great. But even during that time, I was writing, and even writing different short stories or different side things. I would always have a million ideas, and I would just scribble out like, I need to write a story about dinosaur vampires. You know, I need to write a story about this. And so I'd scribble these things away and I'd forget about them. And then I would come across it and go, that's a great idea. I need to, I need to do come that. back to it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm blanking on the book that I read um, this summer. It's like the art of writing or something like that. But it talks about, it heavily talks about the uh, process of just writing daily, right? Sitting down, letting a stream of consciousness just write as much as you can as like a way to practice writing. Do you have like a set time that you sit down and write or is it kind of like whenever you have an idea, you step aside and write it down or like what does your day-to-day writing process look like? That's a that's a fantastic question. Matter of fact, that's kind of like the, um, the most talked about question about getting into the habit of writing. Uh, I've been on so many different panels about writing and how to develop that habit and skill. So each person is a little bit different and I always recommend you customize it to yourself. For me... There was a, a minute of my life where I needed to set aside a, a very specific set of time. And then right. I would write 15 minutes every day or 30 minutes every day for this length of time. If I had deadlines or uh, project-specific stuff, like I have one now, which is exciting. But when you have that, that kind of stuff, then you discipline yourself into it. But I think you definitely don't want to suck the joy out of it. Now, if you're getting right. paid good money, I have a great friend. <clears throat> I have a great friend, uh, Charlie and Holmberg. She uh, wrote the Paper Magician series. She does. She's incredibly successful, but she also takes it as serious as that, right? Um, right. It's her job. That's what she, she pens out that many hours of the day to sit down and write. Now, could I do that? I probably could, but she's been in the habit for so long that it's second nature. Right. It's she's not something you set. just drop down and just start writing eight hours a day. It's just not that kind of muscle. That's probably the fastest way to burn yourself out if you schedule yourself eight hours. A lot of pressure, and you'll find yourself surfing the internet a lot during eight hours. But 
it's getting into the minor routine first. Oftentimes, I actually recommend doing something simple like journaling at mm-hmm. the end of every night because you could talk about your day and stuff you know. You can't really freeze. You don't get writer's right. block on what happened today. Or if you did, there might be other issues. But <laughs> it's it's an easy way to start getting into the habit of, okay, expressing myself, getting it written out, getting it on paper, and then translating that into a specific writing project. Right. Oh, man, I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, the, uh, the book that I was talking about, and man, I wish I wasn't blanking on the name of it <laughs> because it was recommended to me by a writing coach that I interviewed for the podcast um, named Olivia Dudding. Um, but the book, you know, was talking about having a daily process and it said you should write three pages every single day in a journal. And I have not ever kept a journal. <laughs> I have plenty of journals that I've thrown away or written half of or written, you know, a couple lines and like tossed away later. Um, but since that moment in June and I read that book, I've written in my journal three pages every single day for the last five months. And I'm not a writer at all. But it's amazing how, yeah, like you said, just writing about your day, writing about things you know, your thoughts. I can write three pages a lot, you know, <laughs> especially for someone who doesn't ever journal. And it's it's amazing how fast that goes. You know, I can bump out three pages in no time. And all of a sudden, I kind of, I feel like a writer a little bit, you know, if I can claim that title. I'm not nothing published, nothing that I would ever even put out into the world. <laughs> but it's fun to just kind of get in that mind a little bit and and flex a muscle that I just didn't know I had. Because in, at the end of the day, we can all write, you know, like it doesn't take much to just be able to journal. Absolutely. And and you hit it spot on. Uh, it's just getting working that muscle. <coughs> oh, just clearing my throat a lot. Uh, so it's, it, it comes down to, to working that muscle, much mm-hmm. like going to the gym, right? It's it's so many people have talked to me at different conferences and things or at Fanex, for instance, I'll right. talk to people and they're like, I'm not a writer. And I'll ask people, do you want to be a writer? And and some will say, yeah, but my skill is, you know, garbage. And I'll be like, it's only because you need to work it, right? It's only because you right. need to, to work on that specific muscles, that specific skill. And then you never know where it can take you. Writing is one of the, one of the few things that I think, uh, essentially boils down to anybody can accomplish it, but you have to put in a lot of work to develop it. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people are just naturally gifted. And does it kill me a little bit? A right. little bit. I, I have a great friend, Roger Whiting. And and growing up, I, my aspirations were to be a professional author and his aspirations were to be a professional artist. And I thought, this is great. You know, we have our our fields in the art. Well, one time he sat down and wrote a short story on his first pass and not only did it win like all these awards and it went, it got like went to this big state event and won this big state thing. And like he like serious and put not a ton of effort into it. He just crushed and it. And I just, I went, that is perfection. I'm like, you need to write more. And he goes, no, it's not my thing. And oh. It kind of killed me a little bit. But so he doesn't write still so to he, this day? So he doesn't write. Yeah, he oh does my a gosh. lot of visual art, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. He does he does a lot for the community, which is great. But I wish he would write more. I encourage him a lot to do that. <laughs> yeah, any get time, back into anytime it. you can get him even to write a page, I'll bet it's gold. I'm like, yes, give it to me. Uh, let's uh, let's let's delve into this. But it's it's all it's kind of like a little bit of sports. Some people have some natural gifts. Some need to work on it a lot more. Some need to a little. But the thing is to start working on it start developing that muscle and then finding the right places to help. Right. So, you know, if you're wake up one morning and say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, just have some amazing ripped abs. You're like, okay, cool. That's a great goal. You know, there's so much that you could do at home 
But if you really want to be serious with it, then you've got to go places. You've got to talk to people. You've got to study things to help you develop specific skill sets to develop that. And it's the same way with writing. It's exactly the same. Whether it's writing groups or finding peers or reading groups that can help uh, develop those skills on a much bigger, better level. Right. No, I love that. What would be your advice for someone like me? And, and disclaimer, I'm, I don't think I have the time to dive into writing or, uh, you know, I don't think I have quite that drive. Um, but let's say there's, there's someone listening to this who, you know, has kind of a daily practice, writes in their journal a lot, maybe, you know, kind of putzes around with a couple of uh, fiction ideas or fantasy ideas, but nothing really too serious. What are some recommendations in terms of, you know, resources or places for them to go? Absolutely. So it, of course, depends on where you are. And this could be a little bit frustrating. Some places have far more resources. We're very fortunate here in Utah. I've heard this so many times from authors from all over the, all over the world. Uh, Utah has some of the most authors in one spot and then thus some of the best resources to develop people into authors here in Utah, which is tremendous. We have writing groups. We have library groups that specifically meet. There's a lot of individual interest between uh, smaller clusters of people who want to develop their writing. So it's easier to find a writing group or community in Utah, for instance. It's not as easy if you're in Idaho, for instance. Right. I, I know some amazing authors up there, and they support and love and want to develop the community, and they work super hard, and they have some small resources, but it's a little bit tougher. Now, the great news is, thankfully, we have this thing called the internet. Right. <laughs> you know, obviously, there's a series of books that you can read, but go on the internet, go to YouTube, start looking. It's crazy. Brandon Sanderson, you might this have heard of this lecture series. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, I've listened to it, the whole thing on YouTube. It was just fascinating. Oh, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And the fact that you can go on YouTube and watch him, a BYU professor who is a highly, highly successful author, just gives you all of this gold. He's yeah. like, here you go. I'm giving it's this incredible. To you. I mean, he. I think he has basically the equivalent of like two seasons. Like he recorded two years worth of his lectures and then just put them on YouTube. Just put them on YouTube. It's incredible. And, and he's got his podcast uh, also, Writing Excuses, where he teams up with some other authors as well to do that. And what's great is those podcast episodes are 15 minutes. So if you're like me and I listen to everything on like one and a half speed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, exactly. Then I mean like we're only talking about a 10 minute, you know, to, to speed through an episode and you get this amazing advice that helps put great thinking into your mind and, and starts putting things into practice. No, I love that. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, it's just fascinating. I don't even want to write fantasy by any means, but that lecture series by Brandon Sanderson was just so cool to get into the mind of someone who's, you know, like you said, highly successful. You know, I think everybody pretty much knows who Brandon Sanderson is. And he literally just talks about character development for like an hour, you know, and just gives a whole lecture on it. And there's, you know, just thousands of hours worth of really great content online for that. Um, I want to go back though, when we were talking about journaling, I've, you know, the question came into my mind, you have, you know, so much that you've put out in terms of publishing, how much do you have that won't ever get published? And, you know, beyond that, how much do you have that is not even stories or fantasies, but is your own personal journals that, you know, aren't even for people to read casually, you know? <laughs> so 90% of the stuff is never going to be read by, <laughs> by anyone but me. Maybe if, if, uh, 
if I feel like it, maybe my wife will read it. It's there's so much stuff where I, I just don't feel like this is worthy, and, and then I hide <laughs> it, and nobody ever reads it. And now don't get me wrong, I don't delete stuff, but you know when you've got a folder just filled full of like thirty thousand documents, you're like, oh okay, I'm not gonna click back through all of these now. What's great about that is whenever I find myself into a slump, I'll go back to those older works. Right. I'll look at those things. I'll be like, oh, I was onto something here. Maybe if I just take this, and it's funny feeling like you steal from yourself. I'm going to take this little section from here and take this section from here, and this is going to make a tremendous story. Um, when it comes to, to journaling, I definitely don't do it enough. I highly recommend even more. But that's where I was fortunate. Lifted came from. You know, scribbling notes, taking journaling that stuff down to start going, okay, wow. You know, the it started when I would come home from driving Lyft and I would tell my wife, I'm like, you would just not believe what happened today. And I'm like, I hope you do believe what happened today <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, just because the stories are so outlandish, anything could happen in some of those things. But it's because of those things that I've been able to write, as, you know, books like Lifted. I'm working on uh, a book about networking in the community so people can be more in touch and more connected, as well as a sequel to Lifted. There's been a popular demand for that. Uh, as well as because I did security, people want to know those stories. So there's a lot to draw on. I'll pull out, but still like 90% will never be seen by other humans probably ever. Yeah, you did, um, if I remember from Lifted, you did security on the weekends for a, a long time, right? It's it's funny. So it wasn't just the weekends. Sometimes it was because um, I would do for um, Real Salt Lake mm -hmm. as well as um, the Depot, the Complex, the Eccles Theater. And we even did uh, Vivint a couple of times. And whenever those calls went out, they're like, hey, it was optional, which was cool. Right. I could say, hey. I'm going to sign up for these days. I'm going to sign up for those days. And then it would – so what I would do is I would I'd get off my day job. I'd go drive Lyft for like three or four rides. And then I would turn it off and go do security for two hours. And then I would drive Lyft for like two hours and head home. You know, just, Whoa. Just, it's a jam-packed day, right? Yeah, talk All, about a long day. <laughs> it, and it, it's funny because so much was packed in there that it, it wouldn't feel like a long day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd be exhausted yeah, when I got home. Yeah, you'd be by the end of the day no matter what. Right. But, but it always went by super fast, sometimes too fast, where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go back through and process what happened today. Right. Did you – like, how do you balance something like writing or, or something that's just a hobby in those moments? Like, is it I'm going to write on the days that I don't do lift and have time? Or, you know, do you come off of those days thinking, I, I just want to write something, so I'm going to spend 15 minutes before I go to bed to write? That's a great question. So that's one of the things that I was struggling with when I very first started driving Lyft and working security uh, on top of doing all the different nonprofits. I'm like, okay, I only have so much time in the day. I need to make as much money as possible. I need things to, to click in. So I was very fortunate. I know um, Kevin J. Anderson. Do you know who that is? I've heard, definitely heard the name, but I'm Kevin blanking. J. Anderson. Yeah, great guy. He wrote... Um, X-Files series, okay. he, he wrote um, on the Dune universe. Matter of fact, he consulted on the recent Dune movie. Wow. He wrote a bunch of Star Wars. Kevin J. Anderson is a – I highly recommend looking him up. He's got some amazing, amazing work. So Kevin J. Anderson, uh, I had him to a conference here in Utah one time when I was in charge of the League of Utah Writers. And he went for a walk. And when he came back, I was talking to him like, hey, did you enjoy the mountains and stuff? He goes a little bit. 
I'm like, well, what were you doing? You know, if you weren't enjoying the mountains. Yeah, what was that? Yeah. He goes, yeah, I wrote like a chapter and a half of my next book. I'm like, how did you do that? Like you <laughs> were walking, right? Yeah. I'm like, you were walking. I'm like, how does this work? And he said, I use uh, voice to text on his device. And he just transcribes it. And it has it transcribed. Now, he's at the place in his life where, where he can give it to somebody to transcribe so it's accurate. Right. And then he edits from there. I'm like, this is genius, right? So during the times that I was driving Lyft, because there's that time in between rides where you're waiting, right? I would turn on my text to or speech to text mm-hmm. uh, on the phone, and there was a couple of apps that would do it really inexpensively. And I would just start chattering at it, and then I'd email it to myself. Um, half the time I'd email it to my wife, and she would clean it up. And then when I came home or I was on the weekends or someplace, then I would look at it and start editing it and cleaning it up to to make it uh, usable. That's incredible. That's actually um, along the lines of how I came up with the podcast. It was just, it was, you know, I was just driving around a lot and my goal wasn't to start writing out of it, but it was me having conversations with my friends and kind of filling this time that I was just on my own and thought, man, if I could just record this, you know? <laughs> and um, I read a book, it's uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Mm. And that's what he did. He, um, a lot of his stories that he writes about in that book are literally from when he had a little microphone in his van that he lived in back when he was in his 20s and he would just talk into the microphone for eight hours on long drives and then (laughs) a lot of those ended up being you know some of the movies and stories that we know from him today and ended up a lot like in the book word for word from what he actually said to it and I think there's there's something about driving you know and just being able to just focus on the road and just talk and and just being able to talk in a in a flow state almost and I'm sure you know this uh, very well, but a lot of people might not. So people could be nervous about doing this, either podcasting mm-hmm. or you know, speech to text or different things. And it is a little intimidating at first, right? When you get the stuff, you're like, is it good enough? Uh, am I doing it right? Is it going to sound right? Or, or, you know, this is ridiculous. It, it takes a little bit of practice getting into the right mindset. And then once you once you get the hang of it, which only takes – not that long, actually. Surprisingly quick. To suddenly you're right. like, oh, I'm totally comfortable doing this. This is, this is normal. Like it's just having a great conversation with somebody. Or when it comes to writing, it's just, just speaking what I'm thinking. Now it's funny when I very first started writing speech to text, I found myself spending like, thirty minutes spouting on edits for a sentence that I just you know had said. Oh, he shouldn't say that. Oh, this kind of pun- punctuation. I should describe it more like this. And I'm like, right. what am I doing? Like, I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, the point isn't to, to judge yourself while you're writing it. It's just to go through it all. Exactly. I, there's, I know there's one specific writing quote on this. I'm sure there's a billion of them. But um, just the, the sentiment that your first draft is the story. Like, if you just start writing and just let it flow, it, that ends up being your first draft, even though it's completely out of order. It's mm-hmm. tons of paragraphs and sentences that are not going to end up in the actual book. But that's that's actually the first draft, and all it takes is just writing, you know. Yes. Even if it is just stream of consciousness, and you have, you know, little phrases in there like, "What was my thought? I don't know what I'm thinking about. Let's <laughs> just get back to the story." Da 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 da, and then you just cut that out later. That's, exactly. That's a fine first draft because no one's gonna see it anyway. Might as well just get going. And that's a, that's the uh, pure gold is after you do something like that, and then you go back weeks or months later, and you go back and revisit it. You're like, "Wow, was that me? That was pretty good." Like, holy yeah. cow, why did, I didn't know that was in me, uh, but you were doing it. It's just you naturally. Well, and I imagine that's even more so when you get to just your level of experience where you, I'm, 
sure that if you went through your 30,000 documents, there's got to be something in there that is actually gold, but you didn't quite have the experience to kind of capitalize on that at the time, right? It might've been something that you hit a roadblock on where you could go back through and find that and think, how, how did I not see this very obvious plot twist or this perfect ending to this story with your experience today? And I mean, that's why consistency is just so key, right? You have to just keep going and going. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and during it, I'm, I missed on the sparkling vampires. No, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, it, it's one of those things also that kind of kills an author for that same thing. Cause once you publish something and it's hardbound and it's out in the universe, you can no longer really change it. And that's when an author might look back at it and go, oh, I can see all of the flaws. But people aren't mistakes. looking at those yeah. flaws, right? They're not, they don't see those things. They don't see this. I mean, or they might catch something uh, in, in Lifted. There is one page, there's like a paragraph doubled like one time in the book. And I saw that and I was mortified. I'm like, do I issue like a statement? Do I release? I'm like, no, I got to this, this has only been mentioned to me like one time. It's okay. Everybody's moving past it. Right. You know, but it's one of those things that will, will come back and you're your own worst critic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I imagine, <clears throat> I, I, I'll speak for me, but I imagine for you it's similar where you plan on doing, you know, more books and more short stories in the future. There's no end in sight. And I have this quote for the podcast and if people have been listening, they've probably heard it before. But when I get to episode 200, no one's going to give a care what the first 25 sounded like, mm. you know, so the point isn't for it to be perfect. The point is just to get it done. Yes. Right. And that first step. And then, you you know, two years from now, if I make it to episode 200, no one's going to know. Yeah. We'll no, right you're exactly it. right. Or you'll have uh, such dedicated hardcore fans they're going to be like, I listened, man, in, in podcast number, you know, 15, when you said this, it was pure genius. And you're like, what did I say? What? Yeah, I have no idea what I said. No, I have, what, a, uh... I have a couple of fans that I know listen to every episode. So thank you. People. I know who you are. And if I don't, tell me because, you know, that's that's always the best. Do you have a, a couple of hardcore fans that just stand out in mind besides maybe family and friends? I do. And it's, it's kind of funny because it's weird when you do get those hardcore fans because mm -hmm. it's unexpected. You're like... My work is okay. You're like I said, you're your hardest critic. So I'm right. like, oh, my my stuff is mediocre, and then you get these people who come out of the woodwork and they're like, this is amazing. What what are you writing next? Talk to me more. Tell me more. And they attend all of my classes at writing conferences. They always see me at Fanex. They always stop by. They specifically go out of their way to come say hi to me and talk to me and and pick my brain or give me feedback. And I'm like, it's amazing. Like it's. It's a, it's one of those surrealistic things where you're like, that can't be true. Somebody's paying these people <laughs> That's to, crazy. to be That's a fan so cool. like that. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, my, um, my brother-in-law actually has an album that he released. He just recorded it all on his own. You know, he's, he's always been a music artist and a great guitarist, but he just recorded an album. Um, if everybody wants to know, his band name is Cinch, but he put it out into, you know, Spotify and out onto uh, uh, Apple Music. And there's just this eclectic group of people in New Zealand who he has no idea who they are, but he knows he's getting a lot of listens in New Zealand every month. And it's, it's the sentiment that like, it doesn't, your story is for someone, mm. you know, even if you're not the best writer, I think my, my friend Olivia Dudding, the coach that I mentioned earlier, she talked about this, but it, you don't have to be a great writer for someone to enjoy your story. And if you have a story that you want to tell, it's worth putting it on paper and even just self-publishing it because someone's going to pick up that and say, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I oftentimes talk to people about 
uh, Herman Melville and Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this. So, so he was a best-selling author in his day. Like he was super popular. He was ranked amongst the top authors in the world. And then he wrote Moby Dick, which everybody hated and criticized, and it killed his career. I did not know that. That's crazy. Right? People don't know this. Like that one piece of work, if you read the reviews, they are harsh. Of Moby like, Dick. Of Moby Dick. That's think crazy. About this, right? Yeah. And that book, I don't think I know any other thing, anything else that he's written. Right. Like, that's exactly. the only one. That's that's spot on exactly it. And and it's taught in schools and it's like required reads right. or recommended reads. It's 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 the story of that era captured in this book. But he never knew the success of that book. Right. He didn't know. Right. right? So you oh, never man. know what you're gonna write, what it's gonna turn out to be. Now it's funny because I, I love talking about the the movie. I think it's twenty twelve. With John Cusick. Okay. So in, in that movie, you know, mankind's coming to an end, right? They're all escaping on submarines, the part of the population. So they took all the greatest works of arts and, and top books, and they put them on these submarines to save. And John Cusick happens to make it aboard the ship. Sorry for spoilers if you haven't seen that movie. It's been out for a minute. <laughs> so so he makes it onto the ship, but with... Um, but with a book that's brought on board that wasn't part of the collection, and it happens to be the president's favorite book. It happens to be the book that inspires him. It was written by John Cusick's character. And it's one of those things where because we could be that where there's just one person who loves that. Right. You never know. It could, your writing could influence the next president, could influence a generation of people. It can inspire a whole community or or bigger. And it's hard to think of it that way, right? You just, you're writing what you're going to write and you put it out to the universe. But the thing to understand is the potential's there, but the potential is only there if you create it. If you think I'm not good enough, this isn't good enough. Uh, it's not worth it. It's not worthy. Then it doesn't have that potential because you killed it before right. it had a chance. Like you said, you're your own worst critic. Mm. Um, I imagine, I mean, you've mentioned that a couple of times, so I imagine you deal with that just as much as anybody else. <laughs> How do you tend to kind of like fight that demon particularly? Oh, yeah. Good question. So, um, being my own critic is like super hard. Like I'm really hard on myself when I'm mm-hmm. writing things, but I, I have a great community of friends that I can talk about my hard times with people. I'll be like, Hey, you know, friend, um, my good friend, JC Thompson, I'll, I'll say, I'll call him up. I'm like, Hey, I just wrote this it's just garbage page. And he'll be like, send it to me. Let me see it. And I'll let him, I'll send it to him. And he goes, dude, there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is great. This so is, this fine, is yeah. great. Like, what are, what are we talking about here? Like what, there's like maybe a punctuation error here. Is that what you're talking about? You know, cause you can correct that. Um, but it's having a, a good close group of friends who reinforce and support you, but also give you a chance to vent to say, I'm really frustrated. I'm frustrated with my craft. I'm frustrated with these opportunities. I'm frustrated. So like lifted, for instance, it lifted had been written for like a year and a half. Like it had Mm -hmm. been written for a while, like ready and done and ready and done really. And, and it gone through editors and stuff. And, and we sent it out to agents and publishers and we got so many rejection letters. I'm like, Maybe this book isn't worth it. Maybe nobody wants to read this. It's kind of hard garbage, I guess. And because I kept, but everybody who who'd read it was like, "No, dude, this is good stuff." Like, yeah, no, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and then eventually we were very fortunate to have our publisher publish it. That's awesome. That's so cool. I mean, 
speaking of that, like, you know, that's, that's one example of something that just took a lot of grind and grit. Um, how long was it before you first got, you know, your first short story or first book published? Like, was there a long process? I mean, was there a lot of doubt on, Hey, why am I even, you know, trying to do this as a career? Yes. Uh, so that first book I told you took me Mm -hmm. seven years to write for, and this, this is before the internet was really good before email was great. And you had to print off a, a hard copy of your manuscript and physically mail it Whoa. to publishers, right? Into agents. Yeah. So I had to do all this research in the library, which took hours and hours. It probably I probably spent, I don't know, 15 hours at the library just writing down different addresses and agents and, and publishers to send this to. Then I had to take come home, explain to my family why I'm spending so much money mailing this thing off. Right. Uh, to have it shipped out. And then to get all of these rejection letters, one after another, after another. And and when you get to like, when you get to 10, you're like, oh man, that's kind of soul crushing. When you get to 100, you're like, oh, holy crap, I, this this is never going to happen. When yeah, you're you, like, why did I send out 100? Right, uh, exactly. <laughs> it's and rough. When you get to 150 or 200, then you're just like, like I just don't have any skill in writing. <laughs> like oh you, man, yeah. Like you just, you feel this way, but... What what you don't know, if you haven't built that support group, if you're not going to these writing communities, you don't know that that's normal. You don't know that uh, prolific authors, many of which, including J.K. Rowling, was rejected for like 400 times. Yeah. You know, for Harry Potter. And you're like, holy crap. You know, what was she thinking? She was thinking, this is an awful book, I guess. Yeah. Nobody wants this to read this. This is hot garbage. Yeah. Right? Thinking the exact same thing. And then one day, you get the right publisher and you're like, okay. Am I making the right choice now? Then you start having a whole different set of conversations. Right. Is this the right publisher? Is this the right agent? Is this the right way to go? Um, Which is good conversations. It's all healthy to talk about it. But that's where that support network really comes into play to help you through those tough times where it's, you know, dozens of rejections, hundreds of rejections, where it's, you know, hey, I need to see, am I making the right choice with this group? Are they reputable? Am I doing the right thing over here? You know, should I just be doing this on my own kind of thing? Yeah, especially now when you can just self-publish. Have you, and, and sorry that I don't know, but have you self-published many of your works or any of them? So I haven't. Um, the book that I'm working on now, I actually received a grant okay. uh, from the Utah Department of Arts and Museums. Now, this is Congrats. great because there's a great, thank you. Yeah. So there's a grant. They gave me $1,500 to self-publish a book. Okay. And the networking one that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big project, but... Because I'm so steeped in the community, I have a great idea of exactly how everything goes, which I'm very fortunate. But that's where that community is great to find those resources again, where you're like, hey, I want to self-publish this. Does this cover look good? You know, or who do I find that would produce a good cover? You know, do they have a, a good portfolio? Or, you know, what's it take to actually self-publish? Am I formatting things right? Does this look good? Does this look right? You know, these different types of things. So there's a lot to the self-publishing part, but I'm really fortunate. I've got a lot of people around me who have successfully done it. You've mentioned community a couple of times and I've, I've looked into you. I know you volunteer a lot. Um, can you, can you just give the audience the people listening just a, I guess, um, a sampler of all of this, the volunteer work that you do? Cause it's <laughs> a lot like, like enough that I didn't even write it all down because it would be my entire page. Yeah, that's a great question. 
So right now I serve on five different nonprofit boards. <laughs> Just look, pause, Just, full stop. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so cool. Right? Uh, being on those boards and, and being in, so involved in the community is a blast. It is so much fun at getting to help and support people. And it's fun because that's not all that I do in the community. Uh, I'm involved in other organizations at different various levels. But with these ones that I'm un- involved in the board, uh, which includes the League of Utah Writers, uh, the Storymakers Conference that they have, uh, LTUE, which happens in Provo. Tremendous group what down there also. What does that stand for? Uh, Life, the Universe, and Everything. Okay. It's a little bit on uh, Douglas Adams' um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the yeah, Universe. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what came to my mind. There, that's, there you go. Yes. Uh, every, all the helpers carry around towels during that event also. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm also on the board for uh, TEDx Salt Lake City. Cool. Uh, up there. So like I do all of these different groups. I know I just left one out and they're going to be so mad when they find out. I don't, I can't think of it. It's right okay. Now. Yeah, that's what happens when you <laughs> serve on five different boards and it's volunteer true. so much. A, a lot, a lot of different groups, but I also volunteer for Steve Young's organization. I'm very fortunate or Jimmer Fredette's organization. I also help uh, with this group called the kindness project that goes and uh, makes food for the homeless and then goes downtown and hands it out to people. So like I, I involve myself in as many different nonprofits as makes sense. Now, over the years, I've expanded and shrunk back and expanded and shrunk back till I found a good comfortable amount of volunteering in the community. <laughs> what does it take to you know get you on on a six board, or what would it take to get you involved in a new organization when you're already so busy? Like, what is that? You know, how do you balance that decision? Uh. It comes down to, you know, to when it comes to adding an, an additional organization, at that point it comes down to both time versus, you know, what how effective I can really be. I just thought of the fifth board. Jen, I'm so sorry. It's the Teen Author Boot Camp, uh, which is an amazing group, Writer's Cube. I'm actually uh, just been hired as their uh, conference director moving forward. So I'm going to be in charge of the Teen Author Boot Camp, which is the largest teen writing conference in the United States, which is really cool. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry again, Jen. So when when it comes to like, when it comes to looking at another board, another opportunity, it comes down to what I've already got committed. And I'm super honest with people. When it came to, for instance, LTUE was one of the newer boards that I uh, had Mm -hmm. participated on. And I told them up front, listen, this is exactly how much time I can give you per month. This is how much time I can give you at the event. You know, these are what I can do for you. Just and it, really it, clear expectations. Yeah, really clear expectations. And if you, if that works, then great, let's do this. If it doesn't work, no worries. Like I, no sweat off my back. Let's make sure it it makes sense for both of us to engage in this. Now it's funny. Over the years, I've worked and being on non nonprofit boards and being in charge of writing conferences and things. There's so many people who are passionate to volunteer. They want to get involved. But they don't know that either setting expectations or they don't communicate very clearly or they're afraid to ask for help because they don't want to seem like they can't do their assigned job. But those are the things that kill people. Like when there'll come a point where somebody can't live up to an expectation and other people have to fill in at the last second. It stresses everybody out, makes everything so much harder. And moving forward, people kind of can get really hard feelings uh, about that person, despite them being really nice people. Right. So if you're ever looking to do more volunteer work, you know, first of all, be honest with yourself. What can I really do? 
And then be honest with those organizations. If you're going to volunteer for them, what kind of commitment can I really commit to? Can I commit an hour a month or two hours a month or, you know, one month I can commit like a whole day? You know, it depends on what's going on. But those things will help you have a great experience and have those organizations, you know, really benefit. No, I love that. I think that's really great advice. And that's that's just great advice in general, you know, it, you know, with any of your relationships, any friends and family, just having a, a really well, clear communication and expectation set accordingly. Um, and I imagine it's pretty similar with your wife and your kids as well, just because you are so busy. What's that support system like and or how much are they involved in these as well? So it's kind of fun. It depends, right? Uh, I try to get my kids involved in lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And I've been fortunate. I've taken my kids to go make food and hand it out to the homeless. I've taken my kids to um, paint big murals uh, downtown on some oh, of the businesses so cool. down there, which is really cool, right? Um, just these different projects, uh, helping with uh, Utah Film Center, which is a tremendous group, um, to go help their run their conference and events and things like that. And having the kids involved in those things is a tremendous blessing because it helps them understand the importance of volunteering. Also helps them gain that experience moving forward. But at the same time, they understand clearer what I'm doing. You know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. They're like, okay, dad's doing this. I understand how important that is. You know, this is what it looks like when I'm volunteering. Right. You said the importance of volunteering. From your perspective, like what is that lesson to your kids? What's the importance of volunteering? Yeah, I think volunteering is one of those pieces that everybody talks about. Not everybody practices like as much as they should. If you really want to make a difference in the community, if you really want to make a difference in the world, volunteering is number one on the list. If you want to impact people around you or impact even people's opinions on things, volunteering is the way to do it. By giving yourself into that passion, by helping and, and giving that, you're you're creating an environment for people to be open and receptive to what you have to say or the way that you think. That's what I love is when you invest in the community, the community wants to invest in you. They want to reciprocate right. what you're giving to them. So if you have a strong opinion on something, hey, whether it's environmental or political or, you know, just some random thing, hey, I think the Utah state flag should be red or something weird. I shouldn't say that's weird. Anything that you want, really. But if there's something that you're passionate about, ranting about it on social media doesn't get you very far. You know, ranting to your neighbors doesn't get you very far. Ranting to your family can wear out really fast (laughs) and even burn bridges. But if you really want to make that kind of impact, seriously, go out and volunteer because there's a group that might either unintentionally or be on the fringe of what, the, you know, what that wants, to, what you want to accomplish that will help you get to there. Um, one of the examples, because of all the volunteer work, I, I was noticed by the governor of Utah. He gave me a certificate, which I got hanging up there, which then I got certificates from two presidents of the United States, uh, uh, President Obama and President Trump, which I keep separated, as you saw. I keep <laughs> yeah. them, I keep so them they don't argue. <laughs> yeah, we don't want them to fight each other. Um, but I've, I've got these certificates up here, which when I have those pieces, now when I have a conversation with somebody serious, like whether it's a state senator or whether I'm lobbying for something, I now have this incredible credential behind me. Now I was really fortunate with the League of Utah Writers. I've worked with Governor Cox's office And last year, we established Utah Authors Day on the very first Saturday in December, which is really cool. Coming up. 
Yeah, it's coming up. The How next exciting. the next one's coming up, which is tremendous. So he only signed 12 declarations last year, and that was one of them, Utah Authors Day, to celebrate all the authors in Utah. And it was because I worked with this organization, but also I worked with the governor's office, and the governor's office knew who I was because of all the different things I've been able to accomplish. So, wow. So now I'm uh, – and it's funny to say this, but I'm really a nobody, right? Like I'm not, I'm not super important, uh, but at the same time – People, some people think I'm really important and then they'll listen to what I have to say. And that's where you're able to make a big difference is when people are like, I got to give this person a chance. They've earned it. And then they listen to what you have to say for serious. No, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I, I love what you said about ranting as well. Like, you're right. Nobody listens when you rant, but that's it. it what you said very clearly outlines actions speak louder than words right? Doing something about what you believe in, spending the time, like really spending your resources to go and do that thing and support that thing or or work for these nonprofits. That's what speaks, not just complaining about the problem or talking about your opinions on the problem without actually, you know, spending your actual time and energy (laughs) on it, you know? Absolutely. And that's one of the things I also talk about is if you've identified a problem, come up with real solutions or compromises on ways that those things could be accomplished. That will gain you a lot of traction as well. I get it. I can't get this absolutely this way. It would alienate all these other people. Here's a great compromise. Has anybody ever thought about this? And then we can have these conversations. And that's what's great. When you're volunteering and you're in the community and you're talking with people, then you're having very intimate connections and and personal conversations that connect. And when you have those conversations, you can absolutely disagree 100% in any field, religious, political, ideal, any sort of uh, area, but you'll be able to connect and have a a great conversation with them without arguing, which is kind of weird for some people to to think that that's possible these days. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's crazy because, you know, I I had a recent experience with some friends of mine where we got into a a nice little debate on a topic. But what I I took away from that conversation was that even though we disagree on that one thing, there's a hundred things that we agree on. Yeah. You know, and even a hundred things within that topic that we agree on, it's just one small little point that we boil down to that we just disagree on and that's okay. Yeah. But I love that, that thinking of, of coming to an, uh, an agreement, an arrangement, um, and finding a middle ground. Um, I want to go a little bit back to talking about your family because as I was trying to do my research <laughs> on you, I came across your website and on your website, there's a little snippet about your wife, Lisa, and how she is also an artist and I think a writer as well. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Well, one, what's some of her stuff? What I mean, plug your your wife Lisa <laughs> if you can. But also, is there anything that you have, um, or I guess, what's a, a favorite collaborative moment between the two of you? If you ever, you know, inter- intermingle your works. Yeah, great question. So she does a lot more visual artistry, mm-hmm. which is amazing. She's done things from paint pours to paintings. Recently, she started working on doing miniatures, which is mind-boggling. Actually, oh, wow. like Crazy. you can see some here, and we can look at some later. But she handcrafts these neat little miniatures in, in such immense detail and intricate yeah, that's care. Crazy! I've played D and D. That is intense, <laughs> right? That is crazy. And, and so she's been working on a lot of that uh, that particular work. When it comes to a collaborative project, so there's one we're working on right now, which is we're having a lot of fun with. Well. I'm having more fun than she is, <laughs> but we're working on together. We work through these things. There's one other project that we worked on that uh, was published in um, my previous book, uh, Shattered Worlds. 
Okay. And it's called Pathological Passion. Okay. And we co-wrote this this short story together. And man, we agreed and disagreed so many times in that particular story on how things should go or who should write what or how this how's this gonna look. And uh, I'm grateful that we remained married afterwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's risky. It really is. <laughs> it, it, it can be. Yeah, uh, it, it's one of those things where it was a collaborative work that um, we didn't uh, really set expectations ahead of time. We just got excited about working on something right. together, which is great. But um, just make sure you proceed with caution uh, if you're going to engage in something like that. But um, but yeah, that's one of the things that the current project that we're that we're working on is actually a, a children's book, but not really. It's more like um, an adult book in children's book form. It's kind of like a, a little bit of wordplay, a little bit of uh, fun when it comes to the writing community. So it, we're really excited when that comes out. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's so cool. I'm glad that you guys actually do collaborate on some things because, I mean... How could you not? It'd be so exciting <laughs> to have someone that shares that passion of writing with you and, and just, uh, you know, being an artist. I think that's really cool. Um, I did have um, another question. I, I always love to kind of end the podcast episode more geared towards advice. And when I was looking through some of your material and some of the, you know, I listened to a talk that you gave specifically on, I believe it's called the Keto Diet for Writing. Mm, and yes. I was wondering if you could maybe, you know, share that here. Um, and maybe in short form if you if you'd like, but also share maybe some additional advice you have for for writers because I loved that format of how you laid out the keto diet for writing. So <laughs> so what is that for people? Yeah, the keto. Well, most people know what the keto diet is these days, right? right? You know, of course. Very very limited diet, very specific things. Um, but that's one of the things we're we're all looking for progress in life, and writing is one of those areas where we want to see a measure of our work succeed and and have some sort of measurement against it. The keto diet for writers when it comes to writing part is being able to write short stories. Start with those those smaller uh, pieces of work, which by the way, if you can master short stories, the novels are a breeze. I tell people that because if you can express yourself in a short story so well that everybody 100% gets it and doesn't think it seems like half this story is missing, then you've mastered storytelling. You've figured it out. Now you get to add all sorts of Wonderful, lavish detail. And, right, and not just write a hundred of them yeah, in, su in succession. Exactly. You, know? you can have a lot, a lot more fun with it. But uh, that short story, being able to write those little pieces, it's easier for you to succeed. Uh, it's much like that talk I'm sure you might have heard uh, from the Admiral in the Navy that talked about, if you want to be successful, make your make bed, your bed in the morning. Yep. Right? Super popular. It's the same, same kind of concept, right? If you want to be successful, give yourself something easily accomplishable. It's easy, easy to measure. It's something that when you go to you know get feedback on, it's easier to get that feedback. It's easier to take that piece, submit it into contests, right? So you can get much easier feedback on, on your progress in writing so much quicker when it comes to writing a dozen short stories. That, and you don't get as frustrated. It's not one towering project that can be just ominous. Right. I can't tell you how many people I talk to are like, I'm writing a book. Cool, like how far along are you? I don't know, like 300 pages. I'm like, oh, how long is it going to be? I don't know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, oh, that's good luck, buddy. <laughs> that's going to be rough. Right. It's, uh, there's, you know, maybe hopefully it wraps up soon. Or I've written, you know, four books, but I don't know. They're not ready to have anybody read or, or publish. I'm like, oh, okay. Now these, you know, writing those short stories and getting that feedback will develop your writing 
super quickly. Everybody will be able to read those short stories and say, this is what you're doing really well. Right. This is your strength. Now, this is what I always tell people when it comes to getting critique from people because people love to give advice. If five people tell you you're doing something wrong, they're probably right. But if they tell you how to fix it, they're probably wrong. Oh, I love that. Right? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the key right there. That's the beautiful part of it. Um, I, I captured that little piece of advice from my good friend, Johnny Worthen. Um, so it's one of those things where you might go, wow, this this opening is not working. Everybody's like, this opening's not working. They're like, maybe if you shift this character, that's not the, the way to fix it. You need to fix it the way that's going to work for you, the way that's going to read for you, but it needs to be fixed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to be thinking, that one's going to keep me awake at night. I'm going to think of like, what's what's an area in my life that five people have given me feedback on and what changes have I made accordingly? Uh, that's that's very fascinating. I love that. Where can people find your works or you? Like, Plug yourself a little bit for people. Yeah, super easy. You can find me at jaredquan.com. Okay. You can find me on Amazon. That's where, you know, Amazon is the place to buy just about everything nowadays. Right. It used to be Walmart, right? But now it's Amazon. Amazon's so much easier. <laughs> you get it shipped to your house. Yeah, have it come to your place. Uh, so you could definitely find me there. You could find me at uh, most of the major conferences in Utah. I've been fortunate to be a special guest at Fanex, special guest at uh, LTUE, Storymakers Conference, the League of Utah Writers. I teach at all of these conferences on top of being on their boards. Are any of these coming up if I wanted to come and see you soon? Yeah. Well, the, the next one coming up is LTUE. It's going to happen okay. in February, on February 15th. Okay. I highly recommend looking it up. It's super, super affordable for people when it comes to conferences to go to. Uh, by the way, when it comes to introductory conferences, sometimes sticker shock can really get to people. LTUE is a super friendly, price conscious conference to go to. Right now, any of the conferences that I mentioned, if you're really excited to go to, including even Fanex, just volunteer. Most of those conferences you can get into for free by volunteering to help out with the event. And then you don't have to pay the 400 or $500 to go to that event. Oh, yeah, that, that is great advice. What do you have? Um, do you have specific plans for, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but the, the day of writing in December? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. What is, that's a holiday for you. What's, that's true. What's going on there? It's a, it's a holiday in more than one way, which is kind of fun. So, and, and restate it because I totally butchered it. What's no the holiday worries. exactly and what day is it? Utah Authors Day, December 3rd, okay. coming up here. It's a Saturday, December 3rd, um, which is fantastic. It's in two weeks. It's in a couple weeks, right. I'll be at the Daybreak Library with a couple of other authors. But what's amazing and what I love about this is this year we have more than 18 different locations around the state of Utah with over 80 authors who are going to be at different places, libraries, bookstores, who are just going to be there to, to talk to people and sign books and, and hang out and just meet people. And what's what's tremendous, and I'm super grateful for people like Brandon Sanderson and Dan Wells and, and Charlie Holmberg and all these individuals that are super successful who are going to be celebrating that day in their own way, but but celebrating with us, you know, whether it's social media posts or whatnot. So Definitely, you could come out to daybreak and hang out with me and <laughs> come, come and chat. The reason it's also another holiday for me is December 3rd happens to be my birthday. Is it so, really? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so, awesome. What so a I'm going to be on my birthday. You don't need to bring gifts. You can come by and just hang out. <laughs> that's awesome. You planned that. <laughs> People will say that I planned it, and I might have inadvertently understood what, what the what was going on. Could yeah, be. you knew. <laughs> well, happy holiday. That's thank, awesome. Thank you. Congratulations. This episode will come out. I think I'm going to put it out on Thanksgiving. So at the time, 
people have a week to still plan and be able to prepare and enjoy being a part of the writing community on on the third. That's so exciting. That'd be awesome. Um, and thank you. I mean, just especially since this episode's coming out on Thanksgiving, I can't think of a better person to have as a guest on my podcast. You know, my dinky little podcast. Um, I just, it's just so cool to see you with all of the things that are going on in your life and all of the hobbies that you have and all of the things that you like to do and still be volunteering as much as you are. I mean, it's, it's unfathomable. Like there, there are very few people that are willing to give that kind of service, that amount and level of service to the community. And I think that's absolutely incredible. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.